Good morning and Merry Christmas. All right, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world right now. There's those that when you say Merry Christmas, that brings a lot of excitement and joy. And there's those that just make stressed out. I I hope there's not a whole lot of the stressed out right now in here. I hope you're lining up for a great and wonderful week ahead. We've got a lot of things going on here at the Heights as a part of the holiday, Christmas, New Year, everything celebration. Of course, you're here this morning, right? Yeah, yeah, you, man, we're having a great morning. And uh, Tuesday, of course, Christmas Eve, we have our Christmas Eve services, 3.15 and 5 o'clock here at the Colonial Heights campus, 4 o'clock out at our Midlothian campus. Maybe you're out going to be out there or with family. There's that campus also. And uh, if you're new to our church, our, our Christmas Eve service is about 45, 50 minutes Long, like I won't write a written guarantee to that, but but you'll be on your way in under an hour. I, I can guarantee you that. I know that's a busy day. We're running in and running out, and uh, but I tell you what, for that fifty or so minutes that we're here, it's a it's a lot of fun. We have some great music. I'll be bringing a message. Of course, Karen will be up here with all the kids, and that's always a a, a fun time. <laughs> kind of exciting to see how that happens. But uh, we have a great time. So that's Tuesday, and then. And just looking real quickly ahead to next Sunday, we do have a little bit different schedule. No life groups next Sunday morning, just the services, and we don't have our 8 o'clock service. Not that, that you're, you're the 1045 crowd, so you're not looking for 8 o'clock anyway. But uh, we don't have the 8 o'clock, just 915, 1045. And uh, next week, I've got a, Dale and I have been working on this a little bit. I've got a, um, I, I don't want to use the word special message, because every message is so special, right? But uh, got a message, that, that's my wife, um, got a message that will kind of be leading us actually into the time of worship. So I'll be more up front. We'll kind of lay the groundwork with a message and go into a time of worship. I, I really think we'll help you kind of process 2019 and kind of look forward to 2020. So we're going to have a, a great time next Sunday morning. But it is a, an exciting week in front of us. I mean, this is the week, isn't it? This is the magic. This is the wonder Christmas week. You know, we've been talking a lot about what makes Christmas so great. And, and you know, it, it, I was going to say in America, but I think it's pretty true all over the place. I, I mean, so much of what makes this week so great, so magical is, is being a kid, isn't it? it? It's being a child. That's really the, the wonder of this whole week. And I got to thinking, and I may be making too big a leap with this, But, you know, even because we would say sometimes we can get caught up in the way we celebrate Christmas and forget the reason for the season, right? But, you know, even when we're kind of maybe moving in a wrong direction, maybe when our whole society is celebrating in the wrong way, it's still about the faith of a child. And, And, you know, really, didn't Jesus say, I mean, our whole society right now is kind of an illustration of what we need the most. Because Jesus said, you know, you're not going to see God and you're not going to see heaven without the faith of a child. So everything we're kind of living in right now is an illustration of the very thing we need. You know, when I, when I think about magic, the magic of, of Christmas, I, my memory is always going to run back, and I've, I've shared this before. I, I go back to the Christmas of, I, I, it was 70, 71. I was like five or six years old, and we were in Colorado with my grandparents, and bo- both of my grandparents lived in this little town, and my one grandmother would like make a bazillion cookies. I mean, she'd be cooking cookies for months and put them in these little tins, and then she'd take them into the 
basement and she had all these shelves. And you know, like when you're five years old and this tall, it just looked like a whole wall of cookies. It, this is certainly where heaven is. I mean, this just couldn't get any better. And so you add a wall of cookies to snow and decorations and the mountains. I mean, that to me, that was the, that's the magical Christmas I remember. But you know, we kind of grow up past that, don't we, a little bit? And, and Christmas becomes about some other things. Not necessarily magical, but good things. You know, family gatherings. Every now and then there's a big trip that goes with Christmas or a certain gift that goes with Christmas. Again, good things, wonderful things, not necessarily magical. But, but then sometimes we get a, a round two. And, and now all of a sudden we're trying to provide that magic like, like for a child, you know. And, we, and we'll go to a lot of extent to make that happen, I think of some of the things that that Karen and I did. I, re- I remember one year we were, you know, having a problem with deliveries. You don't ever have that problem, right? Uh, get, getting deliveries and lining that up, and the delivery coming like what we. I've got a great story, but I got to thinking if I tell this story, I might be giving something away for some moms and dads that in here aren't ready to give something away. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So just know I've got a really awesome story that you would love inside me. That's, that's about the best I can do for you this morning. So, but guess, guess what happens? Our kids grow up. And, and so, you know, we're not, we're not doing the magic so much anymore. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's the family gatherings and an occasional trip or maybe a certain gift, but, but not the magic. You know, now I've kind of focused on, on being a child and what we might do for a child. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is sometimes we will do this for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, for a mate, for somebody special to us. I think we all know to some level a couple of times we've really gone to great extent to give somebody a great Christmas. We, we've gone to a lot of effort to, to make it special. Well, what we've been talking about here during the month of December is how we do that for Jesus. Because he should kind of show up on our list of people we're trying to make this special for, right? Okay, yeah, come on now. Let's say, you know, oh, Jesus is the reason for the season thing. Yeah, as a matter of fact, dare I say, he shouldn't only be number one. Number two should be kind of distant, even if it's a special child. I'm, no, I mean, what we do to give Jesus a great Christmas should far exceed all of the other efforts and things we do to give those we love a great Christmas. So we've been looking at the Christmas story, looking at characters in this story and seeing what kind of clues we could get to giving Jesus a great Christmas. And we started with Jesus because it helps to know the person you're giving a gift to, right? And so we started with Jesus. We've looked at Mary. We've, we've looked last week at Gabriel and we started looking at gifts like, I mean, like from Jesus, kind of a simple idea. The gift we're going to give to Jesus is we're going to be just like him. Now, there's a lot of ways to be like Jesus, but we focus that Sunday on one thing, that we would have a love for the Father like he had, where we would want what he wants even more than what we want. Now, sitting in church, that sounds kind of, yeah, I want what God wants. But you know what? We actually, that's a huge thing in our culture today. Because you know what, there'll, there'll be people who say, you know, I like, I like the Bible. It's got some interesting reading and some inspiring reading. But we'll come up on places where what's in here goes against my natural desires, my natural inclinations. And that's not okay. I'm not the one that needs to change. The Bible needs to, no, folks, this is what God wants. 
to want what God wants even more than what I want means I'm coming in line with this even when that goes against what I'm feeling. And didn't Jesus show us that in the Garden of Gethsemane? And then we looked at, at Mary and You know, for Mary, we got the picture of a servant. But you remember that day we said, you know, the gift is this. We don't say no. That's just not a word we're going to use with God. Hey, God, no. (laughs) No, we're we're going to say yes to God. And Gabriel last week, oh, just pride. Now, I know usually when we say pride, that's like not a good thing. But we're talking about a pride in Jesus. So proud to come from his presence. So proud to carry his message that we can't help but talk about it. You know, like we do our favorite team or fishing or an achievement. But I mean, think about it. We have these things in our lives that we love so much that we're so proud of. We can talk about it with anybody, anytime, anywhere. I want to have that feeling about Christ, right? That that's our gift to Jesus to develop that kind of love and, and pride for him. And today we're coming to a, another character in the Christmas story. Now, he's not as well known. As a matter of fact, if I were to give you five shots to name a, a Christmas story character, my guess is you wouldn't mention this in your, in your top five. As a matter of fact, th- those of you that follow me on, on social media, you know on, like on Saturday morning I put out a little teaser you know, about what the Sunday message is going to be. And so I said in that, you know, a, a character we don't know very well. And, and so, I don't know, an hour or two later, uh, I was looking at my phone and, and our family text was kind of blowing up. And I was looking to see what everybody was talking about. And our, our kids, who were all spread out, were talking about who I was going to be talking about today. And I want to tell you something, that was a really cool moment for me. My, my, my kids are talking about what I'm going to preach about this morning. I mean, this is just like the coolest thing ever. And I'm, I'm just looking at them discuss what I'm going to... Until they decided I was going to talk about the donkey that Mary rode. And I was like, this is not a cartoon. You know, and I, I went from being so proud of them to realizing I've raised a band of mo- wild monkeys. And, uh, you know, so it, 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 it didn't end up being so exciting as I thought it was going to be. But, but who is this character? You know, the character we're going to look at today, I think, actually shows us the most important gift that we can give to Christ. Now, that's a, that's a big thing to say, the most important. I don't, I don't know that there's one thing we give, and there's a variety of gifts that all carry great value, carry great importance. But I think what we're going to see today is a gift Its importance is in this. It comes first. If we don't give this gift, we're not going to give the other gifts. They're they're, they're just not going to be there for us to give without this one. So let's see who this character is and let's see what the gift is. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John and Acts, that's kind of the area it's in. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says there, now this isn't at the manger scene. We're about eight days later. We're back in Jerusalem. We're at the temple. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was... Simeon. Simeon is our character today. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting. That's an important word, waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, they were there to have him circumcised, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You know, every time I read that, I'm just kind of amazed by how much Simeon knew. This isn't somebody showing up on the scene and saying, boy, this child's going to grow up to be a great person one day. Boy, this child's going to grow up to be important. Boy, this child's going to be a king. I mean, those would be specific, but still kind of general. No, Simeon really seems to know some very specific things about this baby, uh, about what's going to happen as it grows up. And, uh, of course, seems to know some things about Mary, too. And it's hard not to read that and think, man, Simeon, how do you know all this? Of course, the Scripture just told us how he knows all this. The Holy Spirit revealed it. But I would like to have heard what that sounded like, wouldn't you? Man, what, what did that look like? What did that sound like when the Holy Spirit was giving you all this information? Now, Simeon is described in some pretty glowing terms, isn't he? Man, he's devout. He's righteous. I mean, we we, we would say, boy, this is a really, this is a good person. So, of course, God's going to reveal himself to to Simeon. I mean, that's just kind of our natural way of thinking, isn't it? If you're you're a good person, you get to know God. If you're a good person, God's going to let you know him. I mean, that's just how we're going to think that that works. The only problem with that idea is that really good people have the exact same problem as really bad people. They sin, right? I mean, you can, you can genuinely be a very good person. I mean, like better than people around you. You, you still sin. And, and, and so we, we have that problem to resolve. You know, I think what we see in Simeon is, is how an Old Testament person was saved. This is an illustration, I guess you would call it a before Jesus, faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? A before Jesus, faith in Jesus. Now, what, what, what does that mean? The Bible tells us that nobody is saved without the person of Jesus. Our faith is in him. That is a statement that extends all the way back and all the way forward. So how does somebody who doesn't know to call the name Jesus? I mean, they, they didn't even know that his name was Jesus. That, that's like Simeon, right? Now, I mean, he's kind of straddling the line between Old Testament and New Testament. His, his big foot, the most of his body is over here in the Old Testament. He's just barely got a toe into the New Testament. But Simeon knew this. Simeon knew he needed an answer. He was waiting. You know, if I'm waiting on someone, if I'm waiting on something, that means they have something I I need. He was waiting on God. God had something he needed. Listen, he is, I mean, what does it say? He's devout. He's righteous. This is a good person. This is a spiritual person. But Simeon knew what was in his heart. 
Simeon knew what was in his life, just, just like you and I do, right? Well, that might be good, but I know what's going on inside here. I mean, think, think about goodness. There, there are those that, that aren't good. There are those that kind of fake at being good. There are those that are genuinely good, but mostly when somebody else is watching, right? <laughs> and then there are those that are actually really, really good. You know, wh- wherever you are on this spectrum, again, no matter how good I am, I know what's going on in my heart. You know what's going on in your heart. You know the thoughts. And you know that some of those thoughts don't stay thoughts. They actually get fleshed out. They get lived out. They get said. And there's, there's bad inside there. That's, that's true for every single one of us, no matter what kind of appearance we've got going on with goodness. Simeon knows this about himself. He, Simeon knows, I'm not the answer. I, I'm not the answer to the need in my life. My being good enough, my being spiritual enough is not going to get me there. He's waiting on God. Waiting on God is faith in God. What is salvation? When I realize I'm not the answer and I put my faith in God for that answer. And you know what we see Simeon doing here? He goes over and he picks up that baby and raises it up to God and begins to praise him. Because he finally knows the name of the answer. Oh, his faith didn't change. He had a saving faith the whole time. Now he gets to put a name with it. Jesus Christ. Let's think for a moment about what Simeon knew and what Simeon did not know. First of all, what Simeon knew. Now, when I say this, I'm I'm not bringing to you some, you know, historical writings I discovered or, you know, my, my deep research and digging into the text. I'm literally just taking the things he said here, just boop, boop, boop. I mean, he said this, said this. Okay, well, I know by what he said that he knows this. For instance, I know that he knows that Jesus is salvation for all people. Jesus is an Israelite. Jesus is a Jew. Jesus came to Israel. But it's pretty clear here. He is salvation not only for Israel, but for all people. He knows that God is working according to his plan, according to his promise. God's working according to his word. He knows that where there's darkness, Jesus is going to bring light. He knows that where there's brokenness, where there's failure, where there's defeat, Jesus is going to bring victory. Jesus is going to bring glory. Man, he seems to know some things here too about Mary. Can you imagine? I mean, some of you out there have been a new mom. Can you imagine in the first week, first child, not just a new mom, first child. And somebody walks up to you and says, you're going to spend the better part of your life with a broken heart. The word he used was pierced. You're going to have a broken heart as you watch your neighborhood, your community, as you watch your nation, as you watch the whole world respond to your son. Can you imagine the thoughts and feelings that go in that that moment? Of course, he seems to understand, and I, I don't know... I don't know that I grasp exactly what he knew or or how specific it was. He seems to know that the nation of Israel, that Judaism is going to divide on this child. I don't I don't know if in his mind he sees like Christianity, what we call Christianity, coming coming out of that. I, I I don't know if he grasps all that, but he seems to say, boy, this guy, this baby is going to be a dividing line. And of course, he does end up looking at. I think. One of the most profound sentences in the entire Bible. You, your life 
will rise and fall on love, what will rise and fall on getting even, will rise and fall on getting acknowledged, what will rise and fall on getting more money. No, your life is going to rise or your life is going to fall on this baby. What you do with Jesus is going to determine whether your life rises, ascends into a relationship with God in heaven, or descends, whether it falls. And by the way, you can be a really happy, good, successful person and be in a total process of falling into what will be condemnation and ultimately a relationship with Satan and hell. Well, that's a lot to say about a baby, isn't it? That, that's a lot of weight that, that is on this child. That's, that's what Simeon knows about this baby. Now let's think for a second about what Simeon does not know. Simeon does not know that Jesus is going to walk on water. Simeon does not know that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He, he doesn't know he's going to take a little boy's sack lunch and be able to feed over 10,000 people with it. Simeon doesn't know that that Jesus is going to teach that he and the Father are one. When you see me, you've seen God the Father. When you see God the Father, you've, you've seen me. John chapter 10, verse 30. Simeon doesn't know he's going to teach that. Simeon's going to be long off the scene, long gone when Jesus hangs on a cross kind of fits the flow of what I'm saying here to say now. And, and Simeon doesn't know that Jesus will rise again. A- actually, I'm not sure that would be accurate. I, I think Simeon probably did know that. I mean, I mean, there's Old Testament prophecy that would lead to that. And Simeon needs, seems to know God, seems to know what God has said. So Simeon may have known Jesus was going to rise again, but did he have like the clarity and the specificity that you and I do, that like he was going to rise again three days later? That over 500 people would be an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. Those, those appearances happening over six weeks and in different situations. That, that Jesus would show himself to be the victor, the conqueror over sin and hell and death. Simeon didn't know any of that. Do you know what that list, look at that right there. Do you know what that represents? And that's a short list, right? We could add a lot more that is historically verifiable, that is historically provable about who Jesus was and what he did. When you look at that list, you know what that list represents? That's evidence. That's proof of who Jesus was. That's proof of who this baby is. Do you realize how important that evidence? Do you know because of that list right there, I, I actually believe with great confidence that Joni was, Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and got spit up onto the beach. I, I, I believe that God created the world in six days and there's absolutely nothing unscientific about that statement. I believe that that Moses parted the Red Sea and led a nation right through the middle of it. Why do I believe those things? Because that baby believed those things. And he proves who he is. And I think, you know, I think I'm going to listen to him. I think he knows what he's talking about. All that, see that, see what the evidence does for us? Now watch this. Simeon doesn't have any of this evidence. 
And he doesn't seem a bit bothered by it, does he? He fully believes in this child without any of this evidence. What did we say a moment ago? Gosh, even when our society is celebrating Christmas wrong, it's still about the faith of a child. I, I think what Simeon is illustrating for us here is the faith of a child. What is the faith of a child? When we say somebody has the faith, when Jesus says the faith of a child, what does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm guessing that means a child has this person that they, they love and they trust. And so when the person says they're going to be something, do something, the child doesn't question it, right? The, the child just, I, I, I don't even question. They said they're going to do it, so I know they're, they're going to do it. That, that's the faith. of You know what a child, and I'm not putting an age on this, well, say maybe eight and down. You, you know what a child never says to that one that they love and trust. Child never says prove it. Right? Child's not going to prove it. Now you know what? I'm, that makes it sound like faith means you never want proof. I, you know I'm not actually saying that. Matter of fact a lot of you that are around here a lot. You, you've heard me from the pulpit say. Our concept of faith is actually quite different. Than a Hebrew or Greek concept of faith. We use faith to mean anti-science anti-intelligence, against all evidence. It's, a, you know, it's something you do as a blind leap. That's never what the word faith means in the Bible. You actually take steps into the unknown, into the uncertain, but often you're doing that because of the evidence, because of what you have been shown, that you can trust God. So, this, what, what Simeon's showing us isn't saying, hey, if, you're, you know, if you've got questions and you're trying to get them answered, if you're trying to kind of break this thing down and, and rebuild it, you're trying to really understand, there's nothing, hey, listen, the reason you're doing that is because God gave you a brain. Did you know Jesus actually said to love God with your brain? We don't love God by turning it off. We don't love God by being ignorant. No, we, we learn and we develop and on that evidence we take steps of faith. But at the end of the day, folks, with all we can prove, with all that we know, oh yeah, be absolutely clear, it never stops being about faith. Faith may mean I'm going to trust God for something I can't feel or I can't tell or I can't add it up right now. Faith means I'm going to obey God's word even though everybody around me is saying that's stupid. The faith of a child. I don't, don't look to God and say, prove it. I just love him and trust him that much. What a, what a gift if that was true that I could say that. I, can't, I just can't help but think that's not a great gift to give to Jesus. To, to give to him what Simeon gave to him. Faith. Jesus, I believe you are the answer. You are, matter of fact, you're everything. Did you notice when he, when he holds the child, he says, hey, Lord, your servant can depart in peace. That's a real poetic way of saying, you can kill me. I'm done. I, I, don't, I don't need anything else to be happy. I don't need anything else to have a fulfilled life. I, I, I don't need revenge. I don't need more. I don't need better. I don't need love. I don't need to be acknowledged. Man, I'm, I'm holding Jesus. I, I have everything. Is that the kind of faith you have right now? I mean, sitting in church, I want to say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is everything. But I, I wonder if sometimes God <laughs> could watch my life 
or others around me could watch my life and say, okay, I know he loves Jesus, but it's pretty clear he's looking for something else. He's looking for something more. It's pretty clear there's something else that is a higher priority that means more to him in that moment. I'm I'm afraid that might be the case because Jesus isn't always everything. Boy, now now we're really talking about giving him a real gift, right? I mean, have I given... this Christmas or really any day, any other time of year, have I, have I given to God that kind of faith? You're everything. I, whether I live 10 more days, 10 more years, 30 more years, I, I don't need more. Do you know what Simeon's saying here? You don't need to answer another prayer request. I don't need a miracle. I don't need you to show me something. I don't need you to move and work. Is it wrong to have prayer requests? Of course it's not. The Bible says to pray. But what Simeon is saying right there, I've, I've, got, gee, I've got everything. There's nothing that's going to be more. There's nothing that's going to be better. I have. Well, that's faith, isn't it? God, I want to give you that. I, I want to grow that kind of faith. I want to, I want to develop in that kind of faith. What is that faith? I know I'm not the answer. My pursuits, my efforts, my goodness is, is not the... I know, I know too much of what's going on in me to know I'm not the answer. But I believe this baby is. And because Jesus is the answer, he will be the total content of my hope. Think of all the things we're hoping in. For this week... For 2020, no, Jesus will be the total content of my, the total content of my glory. That's a faith to give, isn't it? You know, I, I want to close by, by just saying one more time, I, I really believe this line right here, this sentence, is pretty profound and it demands a response. Your life is going to rise or it's going to fall on this child. Now my response may be, well that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. My response may be, well I fine, I don't believe it. I don't I don't know if I believe anything in this book. Okay, that then that's your response. But but you do have to respond. Somebody has literally pointed right into your face and said you're you're happy, you're unhappy, you're lonely, you're filled with love, you live a long life, a short life, you're strong, you're it, none of that is what your life is going to rise and fall on. Your life rises, your life falls on what you do with this child. What have you done? Have you recognized you're not the answer? And turn to place your faith and trust in him. And my assumption is many of us in this room would say, yes, I have. Have you moved beyond that moment to every day grow in a faith where you realize this? It's not just that I'm not the answer. Nothing in this world is the answer. He is everything. Is it? Simeon shows us a gift to give, doesn't he? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, like I, I so often pray I, I, at the end of a message, I would pray for myself, for all of us, that we would have the wisdom, we would have the insight to look rightly into our own soul. 
and be able to accurately determine what we have done, what we are doing with the babe of Bethlehem, the Christ, the Savior of the Lord. And Lord, I pray the next step will be the right one. May we step into faith and give you that gift for the very first time. Or maybe we're already in that faith, but Lord, guide us to how we grow that faith, develop that faith, strengthen that faith so that we see more and more (laughs) what's under the tree has nothing to offer. There's nothing better. There's nothing more. I've got Christ. I've got everything. May that be our peace. May that be our joy. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, it's in your name we ask for this. Amen. Amen.